on Life. Hello, welcome to Lucas on Life. I'm Jeff Lucas. You're listening to Premier Christian Radio. There's been a lot in the press recently about bullying, the way that we talk to each other, especially in the workplace. There have been claims that Dominic Raab, the Deputy Prime Minister, has been consistently aggressive with his employees, aggressive verbally, that is. It's a claim that Jacob Rees-Mogg has strenuously denied. But Dave Penman, leader of the FDA union, which represents senior officials, said that Mr Rubb should be suspended while the investigation is conducted, given to the seriousness and extent of those accusations. He told BBC Radio 4's Today programme, Dominic Raab is now facing investigations around eight separate complaints involving what we understand is dozens of civil servants in three separate government departments over a period of four years. Some staff told the Daily Mirror that he would belittle, demean and humiliate them. Now, we're all innocent until we're proven guilty, but all of this challenges me to think about the way that you and I speak to each other. The internet has changed so much. It's possible to hide online behind anonymity and to be sharp, aggressive, rude, even abusive. And some politicians have reported that Christians can be very vitriolic in the way that they communicate with those that represent him. The way that we write, the way that we speak. The Bible makes it clear that we all carry a highly dangerous weapon, and that's the tongue. There are various analogies used to describe the devastating power of our words. The tongue is portrayed as a poisonous dart or the venomous bite of a viper. It can be like a spark that starts a forest fire. And the Psalms picture the tongue as a sharpened razor, a sword, as a wildfire. A scoundrel plots evil, Proverbs says, and his speech is like a scorching fire. Calvin Coolidge said, I have never been hurt by anything that I did not say. Mark Twain said, a closed mouth gathers no foot. So tonight, let's think about the way we talk. My passport photograph isn't the best. In fact, it's really quite scary. I'm not sure what I was thinking when I popped behind those green curtains at a photo booth, fed my two-pound coins in and then glared like a trainee serial killer into the glass square that housed the camera. Why did I pull that particular facial expression, one that inmates on death row usually pull before they meet the hooded executioner? Was I battling some angst about faith or wrestling with the internal consequences of a chicken madras consumed earlier? It was not so much a pose, more a confrontation. I'm not saying that the result is ugly, but if you have problems getting your small children to go to bed at night, give me a call and I'll send over the photo. They'll dash under the covers at the speed of light, tearfully thankful to be away from the scary man. There isn't an airbrush powerful enough to turn this little snap into something warm and attractive. I'm expecting approaches from leading plastic surgeons, but not offering treatment. I could serve as a before picture in their glossy ads. But I was unprepared for the reaction I received at passport control when travelling through Heathrow recently. I was feeling rather relieved to actually be out of the queue because it seemed like half the world was trying to get into the UK and there were only two border control inspectors to manage things. 
And of course, those automatic passport booths were completely full up. Kindly looking man held out his hand for my passport. Bless him, he had no idea of the horror that his eyes were about to alight upon. When he flipped open my passport and the unsmiling face of a trainee psychopath stared back at him, he was unable to control himself. Gosh, he exclaimed, visibly shocked. And then there was a terrible moment of embarrassment as he dug an even deeper hole. And you're so much younger than me too, sir. Then he realised he'd just allowed some fairly offensive words to tumble out of his mouth and his look of horror widened. Maybe I was now a mortally offended serial killer, ageing badly, but good with an axe. Perhaps wisely, he said no more. Talking about talk, we often celebrate the virtue of blunt talk and count as worthy the person who calls a spade a spade, which is good, because even in post-modernity, a spade isn't a fish. And Jesus was blunt with the religiously smug, as he sought to wake them from the cloying coma that self-righteousness brings. Paul, the Apostle Paul, he was a straight shooter too, advising the Galatians who were bringing circumcision back into fashion to go the whole hog and just castrate themselves, not exactly comforting pastoral chit-chat. That was blunt and risky with it. To confront pious legalism means that the challenger always seems like a liberal rather than a freedom fighter. Grace is most amazing and sometimes incomprehensible to the religious zealot. Sometimes bluntness and thoughtlessness are married. Far from being premeditated, there has been no meditation, and so blunt and bullying talk can come out of our mouths as a result. I'm sure that the lady who strolled up to me post-sermon one time and asked me if I'd ever had a stroke was really quite innocent. I replied in the negative, silently wondered if she had any interest in the surveying of the surgical scars that I do have, and then asked her why she thought I was a stroke victim. Well, Jeff, it's just that when you smile, only one side of your face goes up. I would have smiled back at her generously, but apparently the smile would have been wonky. Now, surely there was no malice in her question. Insensitivity was her crime. But I decided not to be offended, despite the fact that my own father had suffered a terrible stroke that stole one of his greatest joys talking, and ultimately it helped to kill him. She didn't know that. But I fear that arrogance sometimes crouches behind bluntness. We're so confident that the first notion that pops into our heads must be right, or, for Christians, even inspired by God, that we share it uncensored by pause or reflection, and then we wonder at the damage it causes. Of course, that's just the point, to damage. With words, some of us bully, pummel and jab, and when in doubt, we shout louder, we get victory by bluster and blasts of searing hot air. But there's nothing commendable or clever about being a pit bull. Because we're good with words doesn't mean we're good. We're just verbal bullies. At another destination, I had a, another helping of blunt talk. An unsmiling Dutch lady wandered up to me. We tell people straight in Holland, she barked. If we think you're ugly, we tell you you're ugly. I braced myself. Without wanting in any way to resort to racial stereotypes, when I've been to Holland, I've discovered that the Dutch are famous for clogs, gouda, windmills, and straight talk. Really, I said, perplexed. Well, nothing like that has ever happened to me. Quick as a flash and definitely not pausing for enough time to engage brain, she responded, hmm, 
So, you haven't been to Holland then? Or maybe she did engage Brain at the speed of light and is very clever and very blunt with it. As we think about talk, let's know that truth and tone matter. We live in an age of tolerance now, don't we? We live in an age where tolerance actually is the new god to be revered and worshipped. If you're seen to be intolerant, then you're a bigoted, narrow, arrogant lowlife and your contrary opinion is hateful because there's one thing that we just can't tolerate these days and that's an opinion that's contrary to the consensus. The thought that the majority might be wrong just doesn't seem to occur, even if we are related to the folks who thought for centuries that the Earth was the centre of the universe and that the Sun circled it until in 1534 Copernicus politely pointed out that we are not the centre of everything, but rather are circling the sun. The church has failed miserably in this department too. Galileo was another who proved that a herd mentality is not great when it comes to being right about what's what, and his support of Copernicus's ideas led him to clash with the Catholic Church of his day. He was placed under house arrest for his heretical views, and was held captive for the rest of his life. Once again, the majority was wrong. But woe betide the person who breaks step with the consensus, who walks apart from the crowd. Just recently, a beauty pageant contestant in America was asked her opinion about same-sex marriages. She replied with gentle graciousness that she had a personal belief that marriage was designed to be a relationship between a man and a woman. The judge who put the question was incensed, she lost the crown, and an international media flurry broke out, including a demand that she apologise for her comment. Now this is liberal fundamentalism. While insisting that everyone has the right to free speech and free choice, the guns are quickly turned on anyone who dares to disagree and speaks up about it, even with kindness and grace. This is liberal fundamentalism indeed. Why was she so condemned? She spoke no spiteful words of homophobic hatred, just simply answered the question expressing her own personal convictions in a measured manner. But we are living in a time when some people act like the thought police, insisting that we agree with their views while, as I've said, all of the time demanding tolerance. As it turned out, her quiet, gentle courage opened the door for many media opportunities for her to speak about her views on this subject and about her faith, and her voice was welcome. The way she spoke was truly beautiful. It was no rant, it was a steady voice. In a world of political correctness gone mad, it can be difficult to hold an opinion that's contrary to the popular trend, whatever the topic or issue, and when that happens, we can resort to ranting. But there is a vital truth that Christians can often miss when we speak up, when we talk about our values, and it's one that we can learn from that pageant contestant. You see, it's not only the content of what we say that matters, it's the tone of our voice as well. Passionate people can sound strident and aggressive. And there's also a temptation to be angry when we feel like our viewpoint is being marginalized or suppressed. When that happens, we can come across as ranting, yelling, even bullying people who are regarded as suspicious. We are called to persuade when we talk, when we write, when we complain even.
not pummel people with our words. Sometimes the world can't hear a word of what we're saying because they're too put off by the way that we say it. It was a wonder that Jesus spent so much time in the company of the so-called despised sinners of his day, but an even greater miracle that they wanted to spend time with him. The holiest person who's ever walked the earth was a sought-out party guest and the kind of person that children lined up to hug, not usually a problem for wide-eyed fanatical types. His winsome storytelling nudged people to think and discover truth. His preaching didn't involve blasting people with right ideas, but edged them forward to discovery. So let's be willing to break step, have the courage of our convictions, and speak up. But let's be kind as we share those perspectives. I've been really challenged this week about the way that I speak and the tone that I use when I talk. The challenge for me has come from the book of James. In chapter 3, he says, Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he's a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants them to go. And so, as I share a prayer tonight, let's think about the way that we talk. Let's look back on recent interactions, maybe difficult conversations. Do we rant? Do we even bully and pummel others with our words? Some words from the psalmist. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in, behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Father, the knowledge that you are with me and for me, the knowledge that I represent you, enable that truth to help frame and contain the words that I speak, and the tone with which I speak them. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. See you next week. Lucas on Life.